It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone online and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. Bet U.S. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. College Station reminded us of a valuable lesson. That lesson does not apply tomorrow in Jacksonville. It is the Chuck Oliver Show on a Friday. How are we doing today? Where are we doing? Are we in Pascagoula right now? Sup, Pascagoula. Uh, Maybe we're up in Lexington or Baton Rouge down in Florida, several places. I appreciate everybody coming in today um, and getting your college football talk here. Two hours a day, and I believe it's uh, actually a week from Monday. We're still out, but I'm claiming it already. Uh, We'll add our 55th stick. Somebody carrying the show again uh, up in Knoxville, so that's pretty groovy. Uh, I said College Station reminded us of a valuable lesson. That was three weeks ago. And the lesson was when Alabama was headed there, and they're just going to open a can on Texas A&M because A&M, it was a a legitimate, reasonable opinion. A&M, sky-high expectations, didn't look good against Colorado, really didn't look good against Arkansas and Mississippi State because they lost those games. Looked good against, I want to say it was Kent and New Mexico State, maybe. Looked good against them. Didn't look good against anybody else. 
And now here comes Bama with issues of its own to work on, but it's Bama, and you just lost a state in Arkansas. Ha! That was three weeks ago. Well, we all watched the game. And the lesson was do not underestimate a talented, well-coached opponent. Here is the truth. Bama could have rolled into College Station and, Dan, 33-20. to 20. That could have been a reasonable outcome for Bama to win, I believe. Not unusual. If not more, but yes. Okay, 33-20, to 20, I pick it, and Dan's like, mm, how about 40-20? to 20? Um, If that would have been, and I'll go with Dan's. He's like, if not more. Dan's like, no, another cinder block on him. So, 40-20. to 20. Bama rolls. Do you know what A&M would have been that night? A talented, well-coached opponent who got beat at home by three touchdowns by a superior roster with even better and more experienced and all those other words, coaching. That's if it would have played out exactly how we thought. But the point wasn't, well, Texas A&M didn't win, so under your scenario, we would have been correct. No, 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 no. It's regardless of the outcome, if you're facing a talented, well-coached opponent, and I'll say in a conference like the SEC or any conference, but especially the SEC at home, it still may turn out the way we all think. Hand raised. In fact, I was leading the choir. Regardless of how it actually turns out eventually after three and a half hours on CBS – The lesson holds, do not underestimate a talented, well-coached opponent. And we all did three weeks ago, including some Bama personnel, in my my opinion, whether it's players or coaches or, I don't know, video guy or whoever. Whoever. The team psychologist. When I say Jabberwocky, you will underestimate the Aggies. Now, I don't think it was that blatant. But someone on the Bama sideline underestimated the Aggies and probably a bunch of them. I say that that lesson will not apply tomorrow in Jacksonville. And the reason it won't be relevant in the cocktail party is because there were, I'm going to just, I'm going to guess here. Top nine, I won't guess. I'll try to compile. Ten-ish. Very worrisome episodes or, or, or windows for the Bama team prior to heading out to play the Aggies. There were 10-ish, and I'll use the very worrisome episodes or windows of the game, 10, where I could look at and go, hmm, what happened there? Sometimes it was an opening drive against Ole Miss until, was it the third, fourth down attempt, where finally a Bama player was like, all right, enough of that. I think it was Tim Smith that made the final like the fourth down I think they converted twice so there were issues on the opening drive Lane now you know what it was Lane Kiffin's such a fabulous play caller and he had Matt Corral and he had his play sheet with his best plays there but he had to run like 15 or 16 or set whatever it was on that opening drive and you look down you're like "Mm, maybe I'm out of my best plays but there were that was a worrisome Epith, that was a window in the game. Second half in Gainesville, that ain't a window. That's half of a game. So, 10 very worrisome episodes for the Bama team prior to heading out to the Aggies. And do you know what we all did? I did it. 
You did it too. I, we talked to Brad Nessler. Wasn't it the following week? He was like, we thought it was going to be story time as well. I said, story time with Gary. He's like, yep. We all looked at the Aggies and went, whoo, three in a row. What's up with Jimbo? Georgia's worrisome. Dan, I'm going to need some help. Start, uh, put your thinking toque on. Georgia's worrisome moments this season. Okay, because I just, do you need me to keep going with Alabama? I'm saying there are 10 times I've looked at Alabama and went, what? That's not, huh? Don't don't do that. Don't do do that. That's bad. You're going to lose if you do that. 10. Georgia? Dan, didn't, didn't JT throw an interception against Clemson in their own territory? Yeah, then they held him to a field goal. Or maybe was that the one that they missed? Oh, they pushed him back. One yeah. of them, Dan. Dan, good call. All right, I just came up with a worrisome episode for Georgia, and it was a turnover in Charlotte in their own territory. And Dan's like, yeah, and then Clemson got either a field goal or actually they got nothing. I, I, I mean, worrisome episode, Dan. I, I'm what trying you- to remember, have they even trailed this year? Did they trail against Kentucky for like a minute? Um... Oh, Luke Doty threw a touchdown pass against them. Yeah. And I'm just going to say on the face, that's not good. <laughs> okay, that's a worrisome episode. Luke Doty threw a touchdown, and I'm not being a wiseacre. Luke Doty, what he doesn't do is throw downfield really well. And I, they, What yeah, do you got? I, I got it. It was the opening drive for Auburn. They kicked a field goal, and they led. That's when they led, yeah. All right, hang mm-hmm. on. Stop talking. Dan just said a 17-play drive where Mike Bobo was spinning gold. Where Auburn got three points. Dan's looking over at Kirby going, now Kirby. That's my worrisome episode, and I'll add it to the list, Dan. If you're thinking, by the way, if you're th- that's seven games. Seven games. That might be what I've got for you. Uh, what do they got? Are they... So... That's what I got for you. The tank run, nah, he's a great back, and he won on that down. That one down, that play, maybe the best running back in the conference won on that play, so that's not a worrisome. That's what I have for you. That's why the lesson doesn't apply. the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. All week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states, 55 sticks. I appreciate everybody putting that blessing in my life, and I mean that. I want to welcome on right now a close personal friend of mine uh, who we can talk SEC, I mean, morning tonight with this guy, but, uh, man, he spreads the net across all of college football, and he made that transition several years ago and does a tremendous job with I'm going to say CBSSports.com, but boy, what an inadequate description for everywhere you can consume Barrett Salee. Barrett, friend, uh, where can you be consumed? Oh, CBSSports.com, CBSSportsHQ. Uh, That's it. Hang on. The, the HQ is if you want to see Barrett. So, so anyway. Yeah, if you want to see my, my lovely receding hairline, you can watch me 24-7 on CBSSportsHQ. And then every, is it Sunday or Saturday and Sunday on SiriusXM? Every Sunday. Not Saturdays, every Sunday. I need some sleep. I got to do some dad life, and I got to do some have some sleep on Sunday, on Saturdays. I All right. Say. Well, let's start 
in the footprint. And I started the show today saying that, you know, there is a lesson from College Station three weeks back, and it's never underestimate a talented roster that's well coached. Um, that lesson will not apply, in my opinion, tomorrow in Jacksonville because Georgia simply hasn't had any of the cracks that Bama had 10, 12, 15 of leading into the game against the Aggies. That's my take on it. It's just it's they're not even doing the same things right now on those two teams. That's my opinion. Tell me what you see in Jacksonville. Well, no, you're right. And I would say that the same thing applies to when Alabama played Florida this year. The same cracks were there, too. So, yeah, I mean, I think right now when when you it's a it's a massive mismatch. I mean, it is an absolute massive mismatch. You cannot have quarterback questions going in to play Georgia. You can't. It's not going to work. And on top of that, you can't be stubborn with said quarterback decision, which is exactly what Dan Mullen is. So, I mean, it is it's a disaster. And then on top of that, you throw in the angst with Todd Grantham, justifiably. And the fact that whether it's JT or Stetson, that Georgia's offense has been consistently able to stretch the field. JT, uh, Stetson's averaging over 12 yards per attempt. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's so, a, man, uh, that's, it, no, that's, that's, I don't think people have a proper, like seven or eight maybe. Okay, now we're in a good range there. You said 12? Yeah, like if you're nine, you're doing great. Yeah. And and the only reason he's not listed in the leaders is because he's like not have a enough. qualified passer because they don't have to pass all that much. Uh, so yeah, I mean it is going to be an absolute annihilation. Uh, it's just a mismatch of epic proportions. And and at some point, Dan Mullen's going to have to start looking like Jim McElwain without you know the fake death threats and and shark issues, and and that might start happening after this game. Let's jump to the West and um, just a matchup that's tasty for so many reasons. Auburn at home, they get to host Ole Miss, and we've talked Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss and the offense and Corral and all that stuff. We haven't. I, I know I haven't talked Auburn nearly enough because um, you pretty clear early on what wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to be a playoff team or you know play in Atlanta, et cetera. Um, but that's not really where the bar is, at least this season right now. Tell me what you've seen from the Tigers so far this year. Well, the increased faith in Bo Nix is nice. Um, I, I do kind of have a concern that maybe it was built on playground play and not, you know, real actual football because while, yeah, he has become better as a passer, getting a seat underneath him, all that stuff, uh, he still reverts back, back to playground every once in a while. And, and to his credit, he makes it work sometimes. But, um, you know, on top of that, you know, the, the run the dang ball Bobo thing that's been around Mike Bobo for years and years and years mm-hmm. uh, is starting to apply to Auburn, too, uh, because Tank Bigsby and Dark West Hunter have been sort of absent from the game plan the last few weeks or a few games, I should say, and that's concerning, too. So I think they're, a, they're an above-average football team that it doesn't necessarily excel at anything but isn't a liability, doesn't have any weakness that's going to stand out more than, than other teams. So I, that's not good going into a game like, like Ole Miss because you have to run the ball to keep Matt Corral on yep. the sideline, and they don't really show the willingness to do that at a, at a level that they probably need to going into this one. Well, let's jump outside the footprint. Uh, Michigan and Michigan State, man. Give me some Big Ten, late October, undefeated, top eight matchup. But yeah, okay, I'm in. Um, your flyover of this. Your, your flyover of this. Uh, sort of like the same thing with Michigan on a higher level. I, they don't do anything bad. 
And and right now, I think they're able to play their style of football with everybody in the Big Ten except Ohio State. And that includes Michigan State this weekend. So uh, they can run the football effectively. They don't put their quarterback in situations where he has to take too many risks, and their defense is solid. So, you know, that defense is going to have to slow down Kenneth Walker. Okay, that's that's the job against Michigan State. And I firmly believe if you can do that, then you're going to you're going to win the game because I, while they're off the, their passing attack has been solid, it's founded off play action. And so if Kenneth Walker has to be the guy that establishes that, I think Michigan can slow down that running game enough um, to make it a game that, that they, that Michigan plays the way it wants to play pound the rock, use Cade McNamara in a variety of different ways. So I, I think it's going to be a fun game. I'm with you. I'm excited that big 10 football has a game like this. Uh, because the Big Ten East has been wildly intriguing this year, and this is another example of it. So uh, I think Michigan State gets the, or I'm sorry, Michigan gets the job done just because they, they don't. There's no weakness on that team, and I do think that if they need to get into a place where they can, you know, score 40 points, and they can do it. Now they might have to score 50 against Ohio State, and that's a huge problem. But you know, other than that, I think they're fine. Penn State on the road um, going to CBUS, and it's another – Penn State's a good football team, and they've got a, a an upper class – like a really upperclassman veteran quarterback and blah, blah, blah. They're going to get run tomorrow. They're going to get dropped into a wood chipper, I believe. Which, which I'm sorry, you cut out. Which, what, who are you talking about? Penn State. I said they're, gonna, they're a oh, good God, team, yeah. and they're going to get – they're just oh, going to get goodness. run. They are going to get worked. I mean, I look, and I, at Penn State, Sean Clifford, I, I tried – Man, I tried to buy in. He got benched, and it's like, oh, okay, the, the, the step back is even worse, and you got to have Sean Clifford so that he's going to come back and he'll be fine. And then, no. I mean, it just, and, and right now, C.J. Stroud might be the guy that's getting into the Heisman Trophy race with the final month of the season left on the slate. I think he shows it against Penn State. He is, uh, it is going to be an absolute disaster for the Nittany Lions. And, you know, I think there's this idea up in Happy Valley that James Franklin has one foot out the door. Um, after this one, they might be the one opening that door at this point because they're frustrated. Barrett, last thing, and I'm not trying to – this is not like a show-off or a silly question. I'm being honest. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Mountain West After Midnight, uh, and I don't yep. think people understand how good Jake Hayner is. Or the, Most people no, don't know geez. San Diego State is undefeated, and there's a chance they could be undefeated. Any interest? What Are you, you going to be up watching this game at all? Well, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, I'll have it on the second TV or third TV because BYU Virginia is good too. Uh, but I have to have the World Series on the big TV. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. I can still focus on some Mac, a Mountain West after dark, uh, you know, on the smaller TVs. But no, I'm interested. Yeah, San Diego State's interesting because they're not going to have a signature win. They're not going to make a New Year's Six bowl game mm-hmm. unless there are some upsets. But Fresno State, like you mentioned, Jake Hayner. I don't think the world saw Jake Hayner when he came back and, and beat UCLA no. on essentially one arm yeah. uh, because it was on Pac-12 Network and nobody has that. But it's a legit team, too. That should be if, – if you're not into that one uh, late night, it might be one you want to check out because it has it has the possibility to get super weird. Yeah, and like I said, fun, free football. All right, so you're going to be like Elvis with the three TVs. If something doesn't go your way, though, don't play it all the way out. Don't start shooting things, okay? I mean, I can promise that with football, uh, the Braves might be a different story. Yeah, that is a little deeper connection there. Barrett, appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. All right, see you guys. All right, Barrett's Lee again, CBS Sports and all that that entails.
Uh, and yeah, huge Braves fan as well. Big, as big a Braves fan of an adult that I know. I mean, kids are we're supposed to be that way, but then when you get a mortgage payment and stuff, you're like, eh, it's not the same. It still is with him. Great weekend of college and pro action ahead. Let's get you a look at some of the lines brought to you by BetUS. I'm Dan Matthews, and let's get to those odds. How about we start with the cocktail party down in Jacksonville, Georgia, a 14-point favorite over Florida. Dogs are minus 600 money line. Gators plus 450. Over-under is 51. Ole Miss is at Auburn. The home Tigers are the three-point favorite. They are minus 140 on the money line. The Rebels are plus 120. Over-under is 66. Michigan on the road. In-state rivalry game against Michigan State. They're also a four-point favorite. Wolverines are minus 190 on the money line. Spartans are plus 165. Over-under is 50 and a hook. Ohio State hosting Penn State. Buckeyes favorite by 18 and a half they are minus 900 on the money line at nittany lions plus 650 over under is 61 how about the pros the steelers are at the browns cleveland favored by three and a half they are minus 180 on the money line pittsburgh plus 160 over under is 42 Buccaneers at the Saints as Tampa Bay is favored by six on the road. They are minus 250 on the money line. New Orleans is plus 210. The over-under is 50. Sunday night football. Cowboys favored by two on the road against the Vikings. Dallas minus 130 money line. Minnesota is plus 110. Over-under is 55. How would you like to earn some money this weekend? Well, you can do so without even playing when you enter a couple of promo codes for BetUS with the promo code SST125. BetUS is giving you a 125% sign-up bonus. For example, that first deposit is $100. You're getting an extra $125. You're using cryptocurrency? That's cool. Enter the promo code SST200. When you do this, you get a 200% sign-up bonus on crypto deposits. So if that first crypto deposit is $100, you're getting an extra $200. Let's look at some of the odds for the weekend coming up in football brought to you by BetUS, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Download it now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Chuck Oliver Show continuing on a Friday. And Jacob Copeland, they're really really talented receiver and he's an upperclassman and he's experienced and that's not like Rick Wells upperclassman he wasn't experienced really coming into the season uh Jacob Copeland's just he's just outstanding and tomorrow afternoon in Jacksonville he'll be playing against the Georgia Bulldogs if you look at the other really really outstanding receivers this year Justin Ross in the opener had four catches for 26 yards they just couldn't get the ball to him Traylon Burks, who I think may be the best receiver in America. Arkansas, and he's got a really good quarterback he's working with. Three catches for 10 yards. Wondell Robinson, who is like 
Alabama UGA sort of explosive, and Kentucky doesn't normally have those guys. Wondell Robinson's amazing, and they cracked the code somehow. 12 catches for 39 yards. So I don't know. I don't know what you do because you know what I didn't talk about just then? Running the ball against Georgia because you can't do it. Want to welcome on right now a guy who I am going to to airlift into a new profession. Uh, you know him from the SEC Network and the uh, uh, ESPN, et cetera. It is Chris Doring. Chris, welcome, brother. How you doing today? Hey, I'm good, man. Good to be back with you, brother. Yeah, I appreciate your time. I'm going to put you into a new profession. You're actually the offensive coordinator for this year's Florida team, <laughs> and Dan Mullen gives you the keys. Um, I'm being serious. Tell me your approach. Tell me what maybe you think you see on tape that this might be the opportunity. Well, let, let's not forget. I mean, I, I completely agree with you in terms of what you're saying uh, about Georgia's defense locking down some of the premier wide receivers in the conference. But uh, Josh Van had a pretty good day. You go back to look at that South Carolina guy, game. You know, the, the thing that I see that I think this defense, if there's anything, and this may be nitpicking, the one thing I don't like is the way they play the ball in the air. They have not necessarily um, been able to defend as many of the 50-50 balls as you would think they would be able to. But, again, it is nitpicking. This Georgia defense is historically good. It's, it's one of my favorite units to watch. In the seven, eight years, whatever it is, I've been covering the SEC with the SEC Network. Like The 2019 LSU offense was so much fun to watch. 2020 Alabama offense, so much fun to watch. And even though I'm an offensive guy, I really love this Georgia defense because, as, as you talked about, all three levels are, are really, really good. That, that front seven particularly, uh, not only the talent and athleticism they have, but the, the depth and how they can roll players in. You don't lose anything thing in, certain, in terms of size. And, and speed and athleticism, and, and you have the ability to spell those guys so they're a lot more fresh than you see other teams toward the end of the game and, more importantly, towards the end of the season. So I really feel like Georgia as a whole is hitting their stride right now as the run game continues to get better and, and the success that, that Seth and Bennett has had off the play-action passing game there is uh, just a, a, a continued um, proof that this team is evolving into what I think is the most complete team in the country. All right, flip it around to the, the, the matchup where Florida's defense is out there because I know they're talented. I, I know that. I can say they're short on corners, which I don't understand how you can be short on corners at UF, but um, I don't expect they'll win tomorrow. Like, just if I drop just that matchup into a fishbowl, I'm always supposed to be optimistic about the UF defense being able to win, especially against a Georgia offense whose approach sometimes will keep you in the game. Um, give me your download on the Florida defense at this point. Well, let's go back and look at the big picture because I think there's a lot of criticism around Dan Mullen, uh, around the recruiting. And I, I don't necessarily put a lot of emphasis on recruiting rankings. But I think the one position where Florida has failed uh, in recruiting the last couple of years is on the defensive line. Florida's always been known as a place that gets some studs up there on the defensive front, as is evident with the, the number of first-round picks that have, have come from Florida's defensive line the last couple of decades. They don't have that, that depth of talent. They don't have uh, those dudes up front that, um, you know, like Georgia has. So they've got to do a better job of, of getting that talent to come to U.S., especially in a place like the state of Florida where there is a, a quality uh, depth of, of high school talent, athleticism on the defensive line. They've got to get better there. Uh, but I, I, I go back and watch that, that tape against LSU. Like, I don't understand how they could run the ball run that counter 14 times for like 185 yards and not make some sort of adjustment 
Uh, it was it was embarrassing, and I think it took for fans. Despite all of the improvement this year on that side of the ball, it took them immediately back to the 2020 defense, which was historically bad at UF. And now, again, you're starting to hear some folks wanting to replace Todd Grantham, which I don't know if it's necessarily fair, but that was an embarrassment uh, two weeks ago in Baton Rouge. How old are you? I'm 48. Okay, I'm a little bit older. I'm 53. Um, and so we're basically the same age. When I was watching that game live, I had I don't know about you, I was like, oh, that's the uh, that's Washington. That's Joe Gibbs from the mid-80s. Down, down, and around. I was like, I've seen that. And, like, I'm a guy on my couch hundreds of miles away, and I saw it. I'm like, Todd, do you not see what's going on? I mean, that's that, yeah. it just it stupefied me. That the, that's the definition of demoralizing a defense. When you run the same play over and over again, and the defense yeah. knows it's coming, but you can't stop it. You know, so whether it was penetrating from the backside where the void is left with the pullers, getting just numbers over the top there to uh, to help you know create a little bit of a log jam in the hole, you got to do something. And so that that really was frustrating to me as a Florida guy to not seen an in-game adjustment to help. At least, if they're going to beat you, make them beat you with something else, but don't get beat with the same play over and over again. All right, uh, let's go quickly to Starkville and uh, just give me your impression of the Mike Leach offense now, half a season into year two. You know, it's it starting to hit its stride, and that was what we expected in year two. It was a, a weird year last year with the pandemic and very little time together. Obviously, uh, Will Rogers took over at the point of the season there, um, and you were going to have some struggles with him as a, a young quarterback in this conference. But like he's got a great feel for this offense right now, and they're distributing the football really well. 13 receivers caught passes last week. You're seeing a lot of those short catches turn into longer gains with run after the catch, which is what the air raid is designed to do. Uh, but I go back and look at, at Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky last year for six turnovers against this uh, very same team. Uh, you saw um, a lot of solid tackling from them. That's the key. You gotta, you, if you're going to play a little softer, you got to rally to the football. You have to tackle the ball and, and get a bunch of hats on the, the ball carrier. And I think that's what Kentucky uh, does really, really well. They're, they're very fundamentally sound. Uh, so I'm interested in what Coach Dukes and Brad White do. Do they, do they play soft? they drop eight in the coverage? Do so they make Mississippi State try to drive the length of the field and eliminate the big plays? Or do they kind of mix it up a little bit? You know, they've been much more ag- aggressive up front. Josh Pascal has been tremendous uh, this year. I, I think he's one of the most underrated players in this conference. Um, but I think Texas A&M made that, that mistake, Chuck. They played uh, a lot of drop eight coverage. They took some of the aggressive nature out of what they yep. did. And I think Mike Elko would regret that if he, if he had uh, the, uh, on a lie detector test. Uh, they, they gave away what their personality was defensively. And I hope Kentucky doesn't do the same thing. Wrapping up with Chris Doring, and um, I don't know, man, have you ever seen a conversation like this, or, or, or would it be appropriate? I need somebody to sit down with Matt Corral and say, if you don't play, we lose. All right, yeah. so, so I need you to – if you don't play, your 84 teammates all lose on Saturday. Yeah. Does it ever get that blatant? Well, I, I think it, it's, a, it's a great balance, right? This team, and everybody thinks about them throwing the football all over, but they are predicated on running the football, and a large part of their run game is the quarterback involvement in that run game, whether we're talking about read option stuff, we're talking about RBO stuff. Uh, and I think the thing that's so interesting about it, Chuck, is that, that this team as a whole, not just the offense, but as a whole, the defense as well, has taken on that persona of Matt Corral. He is the, the true 
uh, definition of an MVP. As you mentioned, like if he doesn't play, I think this team is two wins worse without him at the quarterback position. He elevates the play of everybody around him. And I think part of what he does running the football uh, is a double-edged sword. The, the physicality, the effort, the competitiveness that he brings is it, being pervasive throughout the entire team. But at the same time, you carry it 30 times against Tennessee, you're putting yourself at some risk when you're not sliding a little bit more, and it, it does put your long-term success at risk. Well, Chris, I appreciate you carving out some time today, brother. Have a great Saturday, man. Great Thank time. you. Great catching up, Chuck. Thanks. See you, All buddy. Right. Chris Doran again from the SEC Network. And I am – yeah, I mentioned my age, and Chris is, I guess, about five years younger than me, four years younger than me. Uh, born in 19 – December of 67. And so I mentioned that I started watching – I remember watching an Ohio State-Michigan game when I was like four. I just remember the Michigan helmets, and it was like this washed-out, you know, AstroTurf. Um, And then watching bowl games because it was always a big deal when I was home. Um, In my lifetime – and so the reason I'm giving you that time frame, I never saw Archie Manning play for anybody other than the New Orleans Saints. And then I saw him with the Oilers for a minute, and I and he played for the Vikings at the very end as well. But and he was just an amazing quarterback on mostly hard teams. And then one season, New Orleans goes five hundred, and it was a big, it was the first five hundred season they had had. And he might have won MVP or been a finalist. Uh, so Archie was fan. I never saw him play at Ole Miss. So I don't know this. If you look at my history with Ole Miss, my understanding, because, again, I didn't see Archie play. There's a chance. I, in fact, I, Matt Corral's the best Ole Miss football player I've ever seen. One exception may be Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis was an eraser. Just don't go near him. Do you know why he had to retire? So awful. Pat, he, had a, he had painful feet. Like, you see that sometimes with – you're like, well, what, you know, Deion Sanders, it was a toe. A toe. I think it was Jack Lambert as well, who if you you may know the name Jack Lambert. He was as tough as there's been in the NFL. He's part of the Steel Curtain defense back with the Steel – toe. Toe ended his career. Um, Matt Corral, he's the best player that I have seen there. Maybe not Patrick Willis, but again – it's not fair to compare the overall value because quarterback is always more impactful and important and valuable and, and, and all that other thing. Patrick Willis was as good a linebacker as anybody's been anything at Ole Miss. But it's the impact of being a quarterback who, like I can't take anything away. You know what Jay Barker did? Jay Barker started a quarterback for a national championship team. Jay Barker played college football. How about that? Um Jay Barker ran an offense. Jay Barker was a team leader. Jay Barker, hand the ball off, carry out your fake. That's a lot of it. Stedman Sheely, if you go back even further, hand the ball off, carry out your fake. Jamel Holloway, Oklahoma, just hand the ball off or carry it yourself. Uh, That's not all that Matt Corral or any or most quarterbacks do today. And so, again, I just I, – I couldn't be more impressed with that kid. And I look at him and I am go, so stop trying to truck a linebacker. You, you, players used to get criticized for going out of bounds, and you still can leave two yards on the field, and that's not good. You know what's really not good? Third down. I don't care if you lose a limb, especially if it's in the postseason. You got to get the first down. But otherwise, go out of bounds. 
How about in week five against Tennessee? Go out of bounds. And he doesn't understand that because he's still 21. He'll learn that in the NFL. I don't mean to go way back again here, but Eric Dickerson, I think we all know that name. If you'll go back, just YouTube your computer to Eric Dickerson, SMU, highlights or whatever, he looked like a Clydesdale. And I mean tall guy, 6'2", 6'3", whatever. He was a little tall for a running back. And then Eric would just go, or maybe just look 6'2". Folks, you hear that run behind your pads? Eric would run with his chest out. Like, I mean, his, his, his breastplate in front of everything else. Running high. Looking for people sometimes. Eric is the exception, and I mean by a lot. Because there are plenty of running backs who do that in high school. There are plenty who do it in college. Do you know what happens in the NFL? Give them about a practice and a half. They don't do it anymore. Because you get some 30-year-old guy that's been in the league for nine years, and he doesn't know who you are. He doesn't care. So you learn that lesson, but you don't learn it on Saturdays. And I will quote Phil Fulmer, something he told me at media days probably 15 years ago whenever. Uh, I was asking him about discipline, and maybe I think it was the punter. He had a punter, and I think it was a Colquitt, I think, who had like three or four alcohol-related whatevers. And I'm trying – if I get the details wrong, I apologize. But I think he had like three or four alcohol-related somethings, incidents or, you know, whatever. And before it resulted in loss of playing time. And so I was asking him about discipline, and he made a fair point. Now, he also wanted to make sure that he had his whatever, all-American punter or whomever. But he made a point, he said, you know, young people especially, we don't often learn from other people's mistakes. We need to make our own mistakes. So that's true. Well, Matt Corral, I, when you have a separated shoulder, Christian Ponder threw an interception against Clemson his last year at Florida. I think it was his last year at Florida State. And it might have been Cresden, who I, I can't remember, but whoever, McDaniel maybe, is that right? Who was intercepting it running the other way, and Christian Ponder decided he was going to make a uh, tackle. You know what Christian Ponder did? Hurt his shoulder. So you learn, and then Christian Ponder stopped trying to make tackles on interceptions. So that's the lesson to be learned, and at some point he will when he realizes that he's on the st- sideline watching somebody else do what his job is. All right, we're going to break, come back, wrap up our one on Friday next. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Nobody loves having a bye coming off of a loss, and that was the scenario we had. So everybody, you know, a little bit more on edge. Everybody kind of wired in and focused and, and want to get back on the field and compete. And so to uh, to get back out this week um, against a really quality opponent in Baylor, uh, I think was good for us. Steve Sarkeesian saying football stuff about the Longhorns and Bears, and I'm not trying to be dismissive there. It's just that was Charlie Brown's teacher. That was nothing. And can I tell you, I'm a huge Sark fan. In fact, I have thanked the man to his face. We were actually, for some reason, on the same speaking calendar one night, and I said, I appreciate the work you did for my NFL team. And so we chatted a little bit, and then he said, oh, thank you. It was very nice to hear from him. He turned around and immediately forgot we had spoken because he's Steve Sarkeesian, and that's just kind of what it is. Um, he's the Alabama offensive coordinator. But he is um, – he's a good coach. 
but he is part of a huge story right now. Um, that you know, I can I can point to one guy that really underlines this, and it's what Dabo Swinney is not involved in currently that shines a bright light on a a financial horror show around college football. You know, the Clemson Tigers, they are 79-7 and over the last six seasons with six ACC championships and two national titles. Folks, that's what it takes to enter a season with conference and playoff expectations and not get buyout conversations when you're four and three after two months. 79-7 and with a pair of natties. That's what's required. Reason I'm bringing this, uh, Steve Sarkeesian speaking there. Tom Herman was fired, and now it's Sark. And what's Sark doing? He's explaining how you hate having a bye week coming off a loss. That's why they made the switch, so you would stop coming off a loss. Tom Herman's looking at y'all last December and is going, really, you're going to fire me? Tom Herman's an amazing coach. Do you know what he was, I think, three seasons before that? Bell of the ball. Fired. Why? Well, we had a down season when we had expectations. Okay. I can give you 10 other examples, but this one is perfect. Tom Herman, Texas, you won three years ago. You won. You beat everybody else to get Tom Herman. And he even waited. Am I remembering? Dan, he waited a year, didn't he? Like, he could have jumped UH a year early, but he was waiting because he had offers everywhere. And wasn't that the story? He was like, no, I'm going to give Charlie one more year to get canned in Austin. That's pretty much it. But, yeah, and then the following year was when he had the awkward interview with Cole Kiebelik before the Memphis game, which they proceeded to lose the Memphis game. And then, oddly enough, a day later, he was named the head coach of Texas. It's That's funny how that happened. It was exactly what it was. He was, he was being courted because they had the better season the year before. And he was like, no, I have a commitment to UH, and I think they're about to can Charlie. So Tom Herman, I mean, he was not Nell coming out of the woods. He specifically waited for the dysfunction in Austin to kick in so he could get hired. And then three years later, that's what does him in. It's just lunacy, folks. And the true motivation is an AD, among others, trying to keep his job or her job. So Steve Sarkeesian, bully for you. You're going to get paid in three years when they fire you. And they're going to hire somebody who is every bit as good, not better, not worse. Steve Sarkeesian, he is Tom Herman. They probably are Charlie Strong. Lunacy. What's going on, Dan? Oh, not much. Um, You know, I actually want to kind of harken back to when Brian Harson was hired at Auburn, and then he soon after brought on Mike Bobo. And I got to believe that Mike Bobo, kind of like what I told you, all good coaches, what do they do? They take inventory. What do I have? What am I working with? All these different things. I'll bet you Mike Boba clicked on the film of Bo Nix and said, whew, immensely talented. Oh, my gosh, we have to fix that. Writes it on his pad. We have to fix that. Writes it on his pad. Probably went through an entire long legal pad and probably the next page of things that he oh, was going was to a, have to work on. It was Apollo 13. It absolutely yeah. was. So with a tube sock and everything else, he was trying to figure out a way to make a filter for the ship. In this case, he was trying to figure out a way to make a very talented quarterback into as talented a quarterback as he could be. I think we're starting to see that right now. And the thing that you have to remember with a guy like Mike Bobo is the reason why he catches criticism is because it's not the 
fanciest offensive scheme, but it's highly effective, and it's something that gets a lot of people involved. Are we aware at Arkansas that he had Bo Nix throwing the football to 10 different receivers that day? That's a Mike Bobo special. So now you're starting to see things go the way they are for Bo Nix, I think in large part due to what Mike Bobo is doing. But also, too, you got to give credit to Bo Nix because he could have very easily gone the other way when he was taken out of the game that he was taken out of. But then he comes back and leads a fantastic effort. It's a collaborative effort, but i got to tell you, that whole long legal pad that Mike Bobo probably had, it's starting to work, and it's starting to work wonders. Yeah, you do what you can, you know. It's zombies at the fence. You clear the fence each morning knowing there's always going to be zombies, but you do what you can. Um, that's sort of what Bobo has been doing, and Bo is a candidate to come back and play a full fourth year as well. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.